Right now on Matter of Fact, they've lost faith in the government. The city was poisoned. After one deadly health crisis. Our lives will never again be the same. Now it's a race against time to regain their trust. How the water crisis in Flint created a flood of fears about the COVID-19 vaccine. I don't know how it's gonna affect me. Then. The vast Salton Sea. How a major tourist attraction turned into a major health risk. If you breathe this air, you're gonna develop some type of respiratory problem. Plus, what does it mean to be an American? It means that we're still hopeful about all the possibilities that America can be. Meet the judge who wants you to see her America. I'm Soledad O'Brien. Welcome to Matter of Fact. If one crisis wasn't enough, the city of Flint, Michigan is facing a second as it rushes to get people vaccinated against COVID-19. And trust is at the center of the issue. Residents are still reeling from the disastrous cost-cutting move by the state in 2014 that switched the city's water source to the Flint River. A failure to initially test the water to ensure it didn't cause corrosion caused lead to seep from pipes and bacteria to build. City and state leaders insisted it was safe to drink even as dozens got sick and at least a dozen others died. Well now, our correspondent Jessica Gomez reports the mistrust from that deadly experience is seeping into the effort to get the city's most vulnerable vaccinated. In the midst of our pain and turmoil, what seemed like everything is crumbling all around, I'm going to praise him because the more I praise him, the better I feel. I'm On a Sunday morning in Flint, the pews nearly empty at the Jackson Memorial Temple Church of God in Christ. Oh, come on, let's celebrate our King this morning. The service delivered virtually to most of the congregation. A congregation exuding joy, but also pain. Over the past year, five members lost their lives to COVID-19, including Ramona Parrish's husband. You know, because I suffered a tragedy and, and I thought I wasn't going to come up out of that, but the prayer helps. Prayer and bonding with those like her friend Sandy Brown, who is also grieving the loss of her husband of 35 years took him on a Tuesday, they sent him home that same day, went back on that Thursday. By that Sunday, they had to put him on a ventilator, and by that next Thursday, he was gone. Just three days later, her 20-year-old son, Freddie, also passed away. He was her only child. I didn't understand why God just didn't take all of us. Trauma and fatigue in a city devastated by loss and emerging from a water crisis that has created so much mistrust, there are still lines to pick up bottled water nearly two years after the state declared the water safe to drink again. They don't trust what the city officials, the state officials, the government officials are telling them about the water uh, because of what has been told to them in the past. A challenge as Genesee County rolls out the COVID-19 vaccine. With nearly 60,000 people on the waiting list to get vaccinated, Frank Rico is relieved to get his first shot. I want to get back to some normalcy of life. I mean, I'm cooped up all the time. 
I miss people. I want to get out. But for others, like nurse Nicole Howell, who is helping to vaccinate low-income Flint residents, it's just too soon. But you're administering the vaccine to all these people. I do support people that do want it. I mean, I am a nurse, so I do support whatever my patient or the clients want. If they want it, then yes, I'm going to at least teach them what I know about it. What we're going to see is people are going to continue to get sick. People are going to continue to die. At Michigan State University, epidemiologist Dr. Deborah Ferholden is the director of the Flint Center for Health Equity Solutions. So the mistrust is high, and I think it's valid, but it's a barrier. So we're working really hard to let people know there's more value and benefit for you in this vaccine than in opting out because you don't trust the messenger. So we've gotten some wonderful new data. Dr. Ferholden and other health and community leaders using data from the water crisis to target and prioritize those in Flint's most vulnerable communities. Little pub, here we go. Registration and clinics are now being held in neighborhood churches and schools in some of the hardest hit areas during the water crisis and pandemic. Many here have no internet connection or transportation. So people will know it's actually the same places that they have gotten water in the past. It's the places that they have been getting testing all along. Keep fighting. But back at church, Sandy Brown still unconvinced. Past history of things that's happened to African Americans. Um, me having lost my entire immediate family. So I just don't feel comfortable with it. In the meantime, she finds comfort in the bond she wishes she never had to form with the others here who have lost so much. The thing that keeps me going is knowing that there's life after this one and I'll see them again. It's in Jesus' name we pray, thank God. Thank God. Amen. I love the love of the Lord. Remember, love God, love your neighbor. And love in Flint, God. Michigan, for Matter of Fact, I'm Jessica Gomez. Coming up, could you pass a citizenship test? Plus, pushing the envelope. How teeth helped scientists read a 300-year-old letter without ever opening it. But first, the toxic air no one's talking about. To stay up to date with Matter of Fact, sign up for our newsletter at matteroffact.tv. California's Imperial County in the far southeast corner of the state is always one of the state's hottest regions. It shares borders with Mexico and Arizona. It's also seen some of the worst COVID rates in the nation. At least one of every seven people there has tested positive. That's especially serious in a community where very few people breathe easy as it is, the result of a long-standing struggle against the shifting sands of California's largest sea. Our special correspondent, Joey Chen, explains why. Rising up from the desert sand, it was always something of a glittering illusion. Developers once dubbed the Salton Sea California's miracle in the desert, but in truth, it was more of a mirage. So the Salton Sea is, in essence, a sink. That's Wade Crowfoot, California's natural resources chief, gave me the backstory behind what is today the state's largest inland lake. Very long time ago in the Earth's history, it was a very large sea, and then it dried up. And then about 120 years ago, about 100 years ago, it became uh, a sea once again. 
The second rise of the Salton Sea was actually the result of a catastrophic failure. In the early 1900s, water diverted from the Colorado River burst through flood controls and spilled into the sink. Within just two years, that sink became the Salton Sea, 40 miles long, 13 miles wide, and at one point, more than 50 feet deep. It created a pontoon boat playground for the rich and famous. But in time, the party and the lake dried up. A swap with Imperial Valley farmers sent more water downstream to San Diego, a drain that is now literally sucking the life out of the lake. The primary challenge for the sea right now is the lack of inflow in terms of quantity, in terms of the amount of water. So uh, the biggest problem for the sea right now is it's getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And saltier and saltier. The sea saline concentration is now higher than the Pacific Ocean. Soon only one fish species, the tilapia, will be able to survive in it. The disappearing sea is leaving a dusty and dangerous legacy for humans too. Since I couldn't travel there myself, I asked a longtime resident, Luis Almedo, to show me around on his phone. So show me around, how is it out there today? Well, you know, today's a beautiful day. This is a clear day, so Almedo's team posts a green flag. But more often, the air rates a red warning. Dust from the lake bed, the playa adds superfine particulate to the air, already contaminated by industrial and agricultural pollution. If you breathe this air, you might not collapse in that moment or have asthma in that second, but over time, you're gonna either develop some kind of cancer or some type of respiratory problem. Imperial County suffers some of California's worst air quality and the pandemic has made it even more of a threat. Asthma already sends more children to the hospital here than anywhere else in the state. You feel the nose and the eyes impacted and we're on the lookout for children and older people who are suffering the most from them. Today, this corner of California faces an environmental crisis it fears could easily be forgotten, just like the golden days of the Salton Sea. This isn't Silicon Valley. You don't have people out here assembling computers or developing programs. Why aren't we giving the same level of respect to the people who are harvesting the crops and putting food on the table of people from around the nation and around the world? Saving the lake could cost tens of billions of dollars and involve complex solutions like shuttling water from the Pacific Ocean. The sea's biggest reclamation project was launched early this year, but even state leaders admit the impact is just a drop in the bucket. Communities at the Salton Sea have been waiting a very long time, um, really decades, uh, for government to step in and help solve this problem. Uh, and so we, we recognize that it's not going to be solved overnight. Um, we need to be honest about how long it's going to take. But we also need to uh, put our time and energy and funding uh, into resolving the problem. That is before the sands of time and the waters contained in the Salton Sea run out. For a matter of fact, I'm Joey Chet. Coming up. Meet the judge helping make the American dream come true for so many. You'll be raising your right hands. For immigrants and refugees, the journey to becoming an American citizen can take years. First, learning a new language, then studying the country's history, passing the citizenship test, 
and finally taking the oath of citizenship. COVID-19 put traditional naturalization ceremonies on hold. Over the past year, some federal magistrates got creative and held ceremonies on sidewalks and small groups and one-on-one. -on -one. Hopefully, we can return to traditional ceremonies soon, but in the meantime, we will take you to Milwaukee, where Judge Nancy Joseph, a federal magistrate, invited our cameras to witness a ceremony at the Marquette Law School's Constitution Day event. That was before the pandemic. There are people from almost every part of the globe, and we tell them with the raising of the hand, they get to be part of America. So it's really a powerful, powerful moment. And what I see is a glimmer of hope of what the possibility of America means to them. My name is Nancy Joseph, and I'm a United States Magistrate Judge. The United States District Court for the Eastern District of Wisconsin is now in session. My favorite part of the job is doing naturalization ceremonies. During the ceremony, the citizens take the oath of citizenship. So it's really the last step in their journey. They have met the residency requirement, they have passed their civic exam, and then they come to court raise their right hands and pledge allegiance to the United States. It's really a very powerful moment. For me, personally, the real reason I really love naturalization ceremonies is because I'm a naturalized citizen myself. I was born in Haiti. My parents um, left Haiti when I was one or two years old, and they left me in the care of my other mother, um, who raised me until I joined my parents in the U.S. Um, when I was eight years old. It was um, quite the transition um, to come to the United States, and I had to learn English and what it's like to walk in the snow, attend schools with kids who didn't speak the same language. I was 19 years old. I was uh, going to be a sophomore in college when I became a citizen. You'll be raising your right hands, and you'll be repeating after me. I now get to administer the oath that I took back when I was a young adult. I hereby declare on oath. Each time I do the ceremonies, it's an anniversary for me of my path to citizenship. That I will support and defend the Constitution and laws of the United States of America. One of the most meaningful experiences I had was to travel to New York and administer the oath of citizenship to my other mom who raised me in Haiti. She knew I was coming to the ceremony, of course, but she did not know that I was going to preside. When they called the case and everyone came out and I took the bench, she literally froze there. She has been living in the United States for a number of years. And then finally, finally, at the age of 92, she became a United States citizen. So it was a real, um, very special moment for the entire family. That I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, 
that I will bear arms on behalf of the United States. I always come to every ceremony with excitement about what awaits this new class of Americans. There is a mystery too. What stories are they going to write? Which one among them will have a daughter who will grow up to be a judge or a teacher or a doctor? What chapter are they going to write in our American story? That I will perform non-combatant service in the armed forces of the United States when required by the law. So when you watch people take the oath and you listen to what they're pledging to, it really makes you think, what does it mean to be an American? To me, what it means to be an American is to be hopeful. So help me God. Congratulations, you are citizens of the United States. Hopeful about the possibilities of America. To me, the hopefulness does not mean blindness. It means that despite whatever challenges that we have as Americans, we're still hopeful about all the possibilities that America can be. If you're born in the United States, citizenship is your birthright. It's yours without having to take the citizenship test. Well, now we're giving you a chance to see if you can even pass that citizenship test. So join me for a live streamed event, the Matter of Fact Listening Tour. It's called To Be an American, Identity, Race, and Justice. You can find it at matteroffact.tv next Thursday, March 18th at 7 p.m. Eastern. Next, the one thing people just were not in the mood for during the pandemic. Early in the pandemic, there was speculation we would see a baby boom. Why? Well, you know, people stuck at home. But that expected boom is actually now looking more like a bust. So far, 32 states have reported their 2020 birth rates and all but one saw a decline. Overall, a drop of 4% or 95,000 births in those states in the year before. Studies found that women in particular wanted to delay pregnancy due to pandemic uncertainty, especially with the economy. There was also the added stress of working from home and children learning remotely. Birth rates overall have been falling for about a decade, but experts say this drop is bigger than during the Great Depression, and it's the biggest since the baby boom ended in 1964. Still ahead, unlocking history goes high tech. How scientists unlocked a letter written in 1697. Finally, unlocking history, a rare letter sealed 300 years ago has now been opened, sort of. The letter was among hundreds found in a trunk of undelivered mail in the Netherlands. Three centuries ago, the way people sealed important mail was through what's called letter locking, an intricate process of folding the paper. Well, conservationists were concerned that simply unfolding the old letter would damage it. An international research team turned to a technique originally designed to map mineral content of teeth using a highly sensitive x-ray scanner and computer algorithms. They compiled and revealed the message of that letter, which was dated July 31st, 1697, without breaking that seal. It turns out it was a request for a certified copy of a death notice. So you could call it dead on arrival. That's it for this edition of Matter of Fact. I'm Soledad O'Brien, and we'll see you back here next week.
Join us Thursday for a live-streamed, matter-of-fact listening tour event to be an American identity, race, and justice. Watch it live on matteroffact.tv Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern. And listen to Matter of Fact with Soledad O'Brien on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast provider. Watch us during the week on FYI and Pluto.